Board Gaming with Education, a podcast for anyone curious about how games and education mix. We explore various topics like game-based learning, gamification, and board games, and the impacts they have on learning. Here's your host, Dustin Statz. Welcome to another episode of Board Gaming with Education. This is our last episode for season six. Not the last episode ever, just for season six. We'll be back with season seven on August 30th. In the meantime, we have our last episode and we have a really great guest. And there's a sense of urgency in this episode because our guest talks about a Hive Summit. This is an online professional development for free for teachers with nine different international speakers talking about different things from professional development to personal growth in education. So be sure to sign up for that as soon as possible. It goes from August 1st. So if you're listening to this today, get on there right now. It, this is your chance. It's a day late, but get in there, get in on the conference. That's hivesummit.org. So from August 1st to August 14th. In this episode, we do talk to Michael and he shares how he started Well Played, a podcast all about game-based learning and gamification, playful learning in the classroom. Talks about how he came up with the use of games in his education. We also talk a little bit about the summit and what to expect. So be sure to tune in. And before we get there, I want to make an announcement about our project World's XP, where you are looking for some playtesters for the fall. So if you're interested in trying a game-based gamification classroom kit called World's XP in your classroom, reach out to me. I can send you some print and play files, the teacher's handbook to try out or test out some aspects of the kit in your classroom. You don't have to try out the whole kit, parts of it, the whole thing, it's up to you. I can also help walk you through the process of implementing something like this. And I hope you do reach out because it has been very beneficial in my classroom applying gamification. We used this kit in my wife's classroom last semester and we've had a couple teachers even provide some feedback already about how it has helped engage their students and motivate their students in their classroom. So be sure to reach out, podcast at boardgamewitheducation.com. And finally, before we get started, if you want to help support Board Game with Education, you can sign up to be a patron. And that is a way that you can show your support. And also, if you sign up for, if you sign up to be a patron, we will thank you live on the show, acknowledge your support, be sure to check that out. You can go to boardgamewitheducation backslash support, or you can go to patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com backslash boardgamingwitheducation. All right, let's hop into the interview. All right, so welcome to Board Game with Education, and I have a special guests here with me and we have a bit of a sense of urgency because he is hosting a conference that is actually running now and that's called the Hive Summit. But before we get to that, let's introduce our guest and that is Michael Matera and he is the podcast host of Well Played with an emphasis on the ED. So it's very education based and he's also author of Explore Like a Pirate and a teacher, sixth grade social studies teacher. So Michael, can you introduce yourself a little bit more to our listeners? Sure can. I am super excited to be here and chit-chat with your audience about gaming and about the Hive Summit and let them know about it. So I 
as you already said, I'm a sixth grade teacher and I absolutely love that. That's a huge passion of mine. My books about how to use like gamification and games and, and those kind of concepts with inside the classroom. And I absolutely love to go anywhere and everywhere and do professional development on that subject as well. So, uh, this, this podcast couldn't be a better place for me. <laughs> awesome. I do. I love your book. I'm working through it now. And I love how you start off the book and you preface it. You preface it to people who really don't know much about gamification and why maybe they should think about using that in their classroom. Yeah. Like, well, the thing that I found over presenting to, you know, thousands of people is so many people just assume that gamification because because games in the word they think that it's just going to be all about video games or whatever so a lot of teachers are just instantly sort of turned off and then when they sort of come to the session or a friend makes them come or whatever whatever brings them to the session they end up you know coming up to me afterwards and saying like wow that was great i didn't realize like it didn't have to be technology and like this sounds super fun. It sounds super engaging. It sounds great for me as the teacher. It sounds great for the students. So, uh, you know, like getting over that, that sort of perception of what gamification or games in the classroom can kind of mean is a big one. Right. So I think I've had some similar experiences in some online communities as well, where, where I know I've had one comment where uh, someone mentioned I don't know why we do all these games when we when students get out into the real world they're they're not going to be playing games but I've learned through using games it's not necessarily about the game it's about tapping into the things that the game or the elements of a game provide yeah I mean like as a social studies teacher I mean I always saw the power of a simulation you know I could lecture about those concepts, you know, I could have them take notes, I could have them read primary source documents, but nothing really like taught the students as well as that immersive experience, no, no matter how fake it was. I mean, they could be trading little pieces of paper, but the concepts that were able to be acquired through the actual process of being in that situation, nothing was better than that. So that sort of is what I don't know, started my ideas around gamification and and the the true application that could be had kind of anywhere that if we use these mechanics and, and carefully design our lessons in a way that can elicit some emotion response, some more authentic collaboration. Um, it's just it's a it's a total game changer about how we design things because it also always puts the student in the center of your design because any good game designer constantly has the, the player and what they're feeling, what they're experiencing, what they're being challenged by, what they're being bored by while they're trying to move through whatever the challenge may be. So it, it's so good for education. Right. I think that's 100%. Um, when you mention the student as part of the design focus, I think one person that comes to mind is Yukai Chow, and he he describes gamification as human-focused design. And I think as a teacher, we can flip that definition a little bit and as we design our gamification make it student focused design yeah i mean it's just it's just what we should be doing right i mean when you think about it i think when we when we read about gamification and you start to break it down into its core components i mean i i'd almost challenge any teacher or any administrator out there to not say like they wouldn't want their teachers doing some components of this because it's just good pedagogy 
Right. So before we get into dive into like the elements of games and how you've used them in your class and some successes, can you tell us about one time you were on the receiving end and you've learned something through a game? Wow. <laughs> um, well, I would say for me, that would probably be, again, going back to some of my social studies classes, we did a pretty cool Model UN sort of experience. It wasn't Model UN because it was entirely just in our school. So it wasn't like a competition that you went outside the school with. But every, every student had to represent a country and we had to like research that country and then kind of try to further its goals at this sort of mock UN situation. And like to be put in sort of the hot seat of history and and be given kind of an open-ended finish line, right? So that the, the, the teacher was not trying to lead us to one conclusion. It was the experience itself that was the learning. Uh, that was like intoxicating for me as a student. And I don't think I ever really like forgot that. That was probably one of my most powerful experiences that I can remember as a as a student as a k-12 student right that's I mean that's really awesome I think as soon as you you give up the reins and give your students a little bit of control and autonomy it I think is very powerful in the learning process too yeah and it it, it sort of it invites you to kind of endless opportunities uh, I just remember for that particular activity it was a three-day activity and I mean, I, I would go home and I would like write contracts and I would like not even just type up the contract, but I would try to like even make the little graphics so it would look like it's a UN, you know, document. None of this was for a grade. I mean, none of that mattered whatsoever. But I was so engaged in the activity and as crazy as it sounds, it was so real to me. It was like almost sadly the first time in education where a teacher was kind of saying like you get to like kind of do whatever you want like they gave you the reins and instead of being ridiculous with that i only became more studious with that right i think the teacher <laughs> they did a really great job at eliminating the extrinsic motivation of the grade and really helped you to learn about what motivates you so I know I know you use games in your teaching and you play a lot of board games. Can you talk about the first time maybe you thought about using a game or an element from a board game in your classroom? Sure. So the first time, well, so as a kid, I always liked games, but I grew up in a family that didn't really love games. So <laughs> as much as I might have wanted to play like board games and have board game night, like that never really happened. So... I can't really say that I was a huge gamer as a kid because it the, the opportunity just didn't arise. And it was after I had graduated college and I had been working for a while. One of my buddies, you know, he's he's working and he has a little more disposable income and he happened to be at the mall and he bopped into a board game store and just asked the guy like, hey, I don't play board games, but like recommend me something. You know, I'm going to have the guys over. And the gentleman recommended him Settlers of Catan, uh, you know, pretty widespread game these days. And none of us had heard of it. None of us had played it. And he kind of texted us all and said, hey, you, you want to come over and play? And 
you know, we were like, sure, why not? You know, and we came over and it was, I don't know, it was a delight. I, it's everything I love about games, but I didn't realize that I still love those. You know, I had so packed that up in my mind and in my heart that it, you know, it just wasn't something I had done. But the moment I played with those guys, it was so fun to like laugh around the table. It took, I mean, Settlers of Catan takes like an hour and, you know, we just had such a good time. And then I couldn't stop thinking about it. Like the next day I was like, oh, this, this, this was awesome. You know, and I was thinking about like what else was there. The, my friend told me the story about like going into the board game store and how they had like a bajillion of these things, you know? So it was kind of like, oh man, <laughs> there's so much out there. Uh, and it wasn't soon after that I was like, this would also be really good for my students. So my first thing, you know, long story short here to get finally to the point you asked, when was the first time I thought of using it with students? It was a few days later that I, I picked up a copy of Settlers of Catan as like a, a recess sort of reward for some of my students. I was teaching fifth grade at the time and I had kind of a back table that I could just leave it up and it would take, yeah, it would take about three recesses to, to finish the game. But uh, it was highly motivating. The students loved it. And that was kind of the first time I used it. Now that's not like in my class. So I don't know if that counts as my answer, but that's the one that I'm giving you. I'll, I'll count it. Cause I, I remember <laughs> being a student and not board games, but like Oregon trail. And you would, you would just try to, maybe the teacher give you some time at the end of the class. If you finish your work early to go play your play Oregon trail and you'd maybe bring up a game that you had been you had saved maybe to to return to so i think i'll count it <laughs> all right it's definitely definitely motivating for students they loved it and then yeah i mean like after that it was a i don't know long slide into getting more games and more games and eventually a game club and then from there it started to be hey could i use some of these elements of games like hey i really liked this stock market thing in this one game, like maybe I could do something similar in my class or something like that. Right. And I, I noticed when I first found your, I believe it was the podcast first, then I went into YouTube. And now I mentioned, I really like how you redesigned your website and there's just loads of images that go across the screen and there's pictures of you. I think there's one specifically I have in my head where you're kind of down on the floor with, with some note cards where you set up your, classroom floor as part of the game can you tell us maybe some successful ways you've used games in class yeah so the one that you're referring to i do this so again being a history teacher the the the, the focus of my class is sort of world history and when we study feudalism i i have four tables and i fold them up and i put them off to the side so like a whole room's just a big empty square and on the ground I tape with masking tape all these little lines and I, I make them these counties and I tell the kids you know this is like my kingdom and like as the king like I can't rule over it all but uh, so I need your help so I need some lords and I kind of divide it up into these like counties where then there's a lord and then that lord can have you know, vassals, you know, and so on and so forth. And it's a little theatrical and like during the rounds, I sort of bark commands and reward the ones that do what they're supposed to do with more like 
riches. And then obviously those provinces become more successful because I rewarded them. And then I like get more mad at the ones that didn't get successful, even though I didn't reward them. So it's like, and students clearly see that like, it's tough to like work for the king and it's highly unfair <laughs> and whatnot. <laughs> and, um, but in that, in that game, there's a, or in that simulation, there's a lot of game elements I pull out. So they need to improve the land and I built this little mini game where students um, can make upgrades. They can build farms. They can build like a blacksmith shop. They can do all sorts of things. And this creates a more efficient engine. So at first there's nothing in their land and all they can do is scavenge. And that's like highly inefficient. And so they, you know, don't make me a lot of stuff, but then they eventually make farms and then they make a mill and like flowers in, in my game, like more feeds more people than just having like, the food, you know, generic units of food and they can have like sheep fields. So uh, there's all these things and, you know, all of these were inspired by board games and, you know, these, these typical engine building board games where, you know, you're trying to become more and more efficient and produce more and more goods by the end of the game. Uh, that's kind of what happened all wrapped around this experience of feudalism. Yeah, I love how you tapped into the engine building mechanic in board games. I have not used that mechanic in any of my classrooms, but I've used other board game mechanics. And I love the idea of playing a lot of games so you can learn what maybe you can apply to some of your curriculum in different ways. Well, it's like it's like the best research you can do, right? Because it's like super <laughs> fun, right? Like, right. yeah, I'm going to buy a board game this week and I'm going to play it with some friends to see how I can use this in my classroom. <laughs> when when you play a game, when you play a new board game, do you notice, do you have a teacher brain working as soon as you start using the game and kind of go through these steps? Oh, can I use this part of it? Can I use this part of it? Or do you put that aside and then come back to it? Good question. Uh, if it's a really good board game, I will be so enthralled in the, in the game. I, I'm a... I'm a guy that likes theme. I like to like lose myself a little bit. And that would be true for like a movie, you know, like I, I kind of get into it and same thing with the board game. Like I, I want to be what I am. Like if I'm, you know, a merchant in <laughs> the middle ages of Europe, like I want to get into that. And if the game's built right, the graphics should help me do that. The mechanics should help me do that. So, so things make sense, right? That like, oh, I am upgrading the wheat into flour and I better do that at the mill. Like all that makes sense, you know, like, and it gets me into the game. If it's not a well-designed theme and I find myself only like half into the game, I will then probably spend more time while playing it, analyzing the mechanics of how could I use that. But even the good game, obviously the good game after you know like the post reflection i will be thinking about that on the car ride you know the next day in the work thinking like man that was good like i was lost in that experience like what got me lost in that experience oh yeah it was it was the name they gave to things it was the graphics they gave to things like it was it was those little like touch points that just reinforced the theme reinforced the experience that made this you know, a bunch of cardboard and wood pieces come to life. I know you, from what you discussed about the uh, simulation of feudalism that you do, I think that's really important is giving those small touches to your curriculum to help get the students more engaged and lost into the learning experience. It, it is so important. And I think it's one of those things that teachers look at me when I'm telling them, you know, like an integral part 
is the vocabulary we use, the language we use. So I, a huge piece of my game, you could argue, is just meta. It's just in the mind. But what brings that meta experience to life is that I'm going to continue to say that we are in the realm of nobles, that this is this class here isn't my third period class. No, 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 no. You are the house of Illyria, right? You know, and ooh, today we have to get into our guilds. Like I, I don't drop out of character and say like, ah, yeah, we have group work today. Like, no, 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 no. It's, it's just the, those little moments that can make such a big difference, you know? And I, and like I said, I think teachers look at me like, no way is that going to make a difference. But language is so powerful. I think it was, I was listening to you on an different podcast or maybe it was yours it might have been on professor game but you had talked about how as students or as as teachers doing professional development the question had come to how do you make sure people don't lose interest and you had mentioned like doubling down can you explain why that why that's super helpful in these kind of situations that's an old technique for improv you know like why comedians are awesome or why actors are awesome or why i don't know anybody that has that sort of stage presence they're not really a that much better at anything than you or i but what they are super good at is they totally lean into the experience where like you or i maybe taking that stage will be like only half doing it right if you and i were going to go up on stage and do an impression of some boy band we'd only half-heartedly do it and then it would look stupid and then our fears would be justified because we would look stupid, right? But if we just owned it and said like, whatever, like we're on stage, we're going to do this and we're going to do it the best we can. That's the moment where everyone in the crowd is like, that was amazing. Did you see Dustin and Michael like do that? That was so great, right? And same is true for our class. If you're only half into this, if you're like, ah, like I'm going to do this because kids like games and I'm, I don't really believe in it. I don't think we should do this, but I'm going to do it anyways. Like, Oh man, like, yeah, that experience is going to fail. And you're going to then say like gamification doesn't work or whatever. And I'm, I'm going to call foul on that. Like, no, like you didn't do it remotely close to fidelity. You can't then say that, the, that it doesn't work. Like you got, you got to own it. You got to lean into that experience. And trust me, your kids are waiting for this opportunity. Like, remember my story, like, with with my high school experience where where they gave me the reins to that class and i i didn't like take advantage of that like i leaned into that experience and thankfully like they gave us that opportunity so like your students are waiting for you to to invite them on an adventure but you have to believe in what you're creating and it's yeah it's not gonna work like instantly they're not all gonna be like yay we're playing a game school's awesome so like don't don't lose sight of like what you've created, the vision you have, the the countless hours of stories that are on my podcast, on your podcast, on YouTube channels, professional development, like thousands and thousands of teachers, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of students have experienced a more powerful educational experience that's immersive through gamification. So step up, do it, you know, and and don't lose sight of that. Don't lose sight of what you have created. It is a powerful thing. 100%. And I think you hit it spot on too. And I want to maybe transition into the idea that there's a lot of resources out there and you have the podcast well played and you're doing a conference or summit, Hive Summit. Maybe before we talk about the Hive Summit, can you tell us 
what gave you the idea to step outside of the classroom and provide these professional developments or these resources for teachers? So that's pretty simple. Like I, like (laughs) just the way I'm built, like you see this in action and you see it happen from, from that first settlers of Catan moment to those first trials of implementing some of these game mechanics in my classroom and you start to see those embers burn you start to see those little pieces of flint start to spark and you see those students like just light up and and not every thing that i implemented was perfect not everyone turned into some raging awesome like educational passionate fire but like you saw the transformation and you saw what it could be like you'd be remiss if you didn't share it like i in my opinion so it became over time more and more my goal to share this with anybody and everybody that would listen so you know whether that's the podcast whether that's the youtube channel whether that's the twitter chat whether that's my instagram whether that's going to conferences or school professional developments like anything and everything i can do to help make the educational landscape more effective and more meaningful for both the students and the teachers. That's the other thing. Like, I just think I have not had more fun teaching than I have in these last, whatever, five, six years that I've gamified. And, you know, in those years I've had tough classes. I've had the like, great, great, like, wow, like everybody's great class, you know, like, and everything in between. And each and every time it's been meaningful experiences for me and my students. And I, I just had to share it. That's really awesome. I think it's a really cool thing that you're doing is creating these resources for teachers and sharing those experiences and showing teachers how to apply these things in your classroom and make experiences better for their students as well. And you are doing the Hive Summit, which I signed up for, and that's Maybe you can share a little bit about it. You can probably direct people a little bit better than I can to some of the places they can sign up and what to expect. Yeah. So the Hive Summit is, I just, I love it. It's such a wonderful community. Last year was our first year. If you want to sign up, go to hivesummit.org. What it is, is a educational conference that's all virtual. It's all online. And we have nine fantastic presenters that aren't just talking about games. So I, I really tried to get a cross section of different topics and different, you know, speakers. And there's truly, I think, something in there for everyone. And honestly, I think there's something in every video for everyone. So hopefully people check out more than one. But this is the other cool, powerful thing about this sort of professional development on demand, you can watch what you want to watch. I mean, if if all you want to know is more about gamification, you can watch my video. I'm day two. But like, if you want to watch a speaker that you've always kind of wanted to see, but you haven't had a chance to like be at a conference with them, you know, just check out theirs. But you can, you can see as many as you want. There's nine of them. And each day, starting tomorrow or starting August 1st, depending on when you listen to this, uh, each day you'll get an email with that day's video and that day's video will then remain on. So anyone can watch it from the day that it gets released all the way through August 14th. 
And then on the 15th, all of them close. So it is a conference. Like you have those 14 days to sort of watch all the videos with each of the first nine days, a new video coming online. We try so hard to have all sorts of fun, other activities in the hive so that I, I'm, one of my goals was to sort of make this uh, free professional development by teachers for teachers that also gave people an experience to truly connect and, and kind of have the fun that you have when you're at a, a, a in-person conference. That's really hard to achieve on an online conference, but that was sort of my goal. And we've added things that are all optional. You don't have to do them, but there there's a breakout game that's going to exist throughout the entire thing. So, you know, there's clues given each day to see if anybody can get through all the like 10 clues there are. Um, that's kind of a neat experience that last year people really loved and tweeted about. There's uh, some contests for different like sketches that people will do throughout the conference. Uh, this year I put out a call for what would you guys want me to add? And the number one request was for, uh, busy bee recipes. So we have with each day, uh, that, uh, that a professional development video gets released. There's also going to be a uh, recipe that gets released. Uh, so I don't know. There's just, it's just a wonderful community and I really hope everybody comes. Last year we had 42 countries represented, uh, and, uh, just over 10,000 people came this year. Uh, that number is still growing every day. So, uh, I'm excited to see what it all entails. Awesome. Yeah. I just, I'm looking at one of the emails or the most recent, and I think the sketches idea is really cool. I think that helps a bit to know know who's out there and what they're learning and i think that's awesome also one thing you mentioned earlier is how important language is and i think you see that in practice in your conferences the use of the the puns i'm reading the one here be creative and that's a b-e-e -E. <laughs> yeah it's uh it was fun trying to come up with uh a theme, like when you're trying to create a conference out of thin air, um, it was kind of fun to try to like figure out what what to do. And I kind of landed on the idea of bees and like how we're all worker bees and we're all going to come together in the hive. And I don't know, it just worked. And I've never looked back. It's been a fun, fun theme. I think you got it. I think it's a good, it's a great theme. And you mentioned there are different teachers or presenters talking about different topics, not just gamification. I would say majority of our audience are educators. Maybe you can share some of the speakers they can expect or the topics. Sure. So we have Angela Myers. She is an awesome keynote speaker who sort of presents on this, the, the sort of power of noticing what happens around you and like the power of the fact that you matter and that 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 idea of you mattering isn't just you but how like you need to have that same language to your students and when you start to notice what they do it just it changes the culture of your school it's an excellent presentation uh i think people are really gonna love that then my presentation is kind of about gamification and and kind of the what that unlocks for both the students and teachers it's kind of a different one. Then there's Casey Bell. She's going to talk a lot about how to like shake up learning and give some practical tips with tech tools. 
Then we have uh, CJ Reynolds. He is an awesome YouTube YouTuber slash teacher. He teaches out in Philadelphia. He's a high school English teacher, and he's really going to talk about the power of relationships and different ways he helps create an atmosphere for kind of all students. And then we have Ted Knightsky, who is a dynamic uh, leader in education. He's going to talk about leadership and how really this idea of the fact that we are all leaders, but you know, by the fact that anybody that sort of looks up to what we're doing in our actions makes any one of us a leader. And, and it's a fascinating conversation that we have. And then we have Michelle Ferrer, and she is got a huge YouTube channel, Pocket Full of Primary. And <clears throat> she gives these awesome tips for ways to sort of boost engagement with students that really work for any age. So her session was really awesome. While she is a primary uh, school teacher, she teaches fourth grade. Excellent. Excellent presentation. Then we have Lisa Johnson, aka the classroom chef. She is going to talk all about kind of efficiencies that we can build into our lives that make being a teacher a little more manageable and kind of great for students, but also just great life tips that are awesome. Quinn Rollins, fellow author, he wrote uh, Play Like a Pirate, and he talks about how we can use toys and games and comics to engage our students. Excellent book, excellent guy. Love this guy. It's a great, great episode. And then we end on Dan Tricarico. He is also the author of The Zen Teacher. And he talks to us about kind of balance and how we, you know, even at a conference like this, you're going to get so many ideas. And sometimes it feels like drinking from a fire hose. And, and Dan does a really good job of kind of helping us like return to a, a, a place and space where we can manage you know these new concepts and and move forward with with success wow there's a lot of great topics and great speakers you mentioned there and i think something like this this conference is super important for teachers who are maybe in their summer break or heading into starting their new school year because i know for myself when i go to any pd it really helps me like recharge even if it's on the weekend through the school year. I go to that professional development and my brain's just burning with ideas that I can implement in my class and also consider as I move into the next school week. Um, so I think it's really perfect timing for a conference like this too. Yeah, I get so jazzed by professional development. I mean, uh, whether it's going to an ed camp, like you said, on the weekend, I still just get fired up, you know? So that's one of the reasons why I did the Hive Summit in general, because I know not everybody can get to conferences. So like I said, here's a free space that we can all get that same enthusiasm, no matter like the resources our school has or the resources we have. This is just a matter of time. And if, if you truly want to level up your classroom, level up your learning, level up your life, dedicate some time. And I, I guarantee you're going to walk away with some pretty good gems. Yeah, I think it's super, super valuable. And I love how you're trying to bring together the online community a little bit better in a more tangible way through the, through the sketches and the breakout. Ooh. I almost forgot, and this is like the perfect podcast to talk about it. One of the other things that we're adding this year is we're going to do a game night. Oh, Very excited to be doing a game uh, online uh, that's going to be uh, through a YouTube Live. 
all you'll need to do is, you know, pay attention to the Hive Summit's, you know, emails slash uh, tweets because we'll we'll put out the direction video uh, that I'll admit I did not shoot. I'm going to use somebody else's direction video for the game. And then we're going to play it live stream, but you don't need like it, it can play infinite number of players. Uh, all you'll need is a little kind of graph paper, but that you could draw that yourself. So really cool. Yeah. I think, I hope I have a chance to join in because with the time zone difference here in Taiwan, but that's something that I, <laughs> well, no, no, even if you can't do it, what you, so what I'm going to say at the beginning of the video, you can play at any time, uh, just as long as you don't cheat, just don't like look ahead, right? <laughs> if you just hit play on the video and just hit pause, like after turn one and do whatever you got to do and then hit play and then do turn two. Okay. Really cool. And then you can share that on maybe social media. Yeah. You got it. Like I, I, awesome. I can't wait. So you, you, you are teasing the game, but you're not going to give us the, the game, right? <laughs> no, I'm not going to. The, the exciting thing is the game is getting released at Gen Con uh, this week. Oh, that's really awesome. The publisher gave me the rights to do it online and he's going to give away two copies. Oh, that's definitely, that's worth signing up for the conference right there, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty, I'm pretty pumped. Before we go into the final segment question, is there anything you want to share with our audience before we head there or any last words of advice? Wow. Uh, well, I mean, I got to say like board games, your community probably knows just how like awesome games are in general board or otherwise, you know, but I, I just want to give a plug for if you're listening to this and you're still on the fence or you haven't played a lot of board games, like whether you bring it into your pedagogy or not, I just want to make a big plug for bringing it into your life because our world needs more time together, more time together around that table. And that just seems to be harder and harder to get around the dinner table these days. But if, if we could get around the game table, I think that would make our world a much better place. Cannot agree more. I need at least one one game night a week because it really, I mean, it really just makes you feel good. It does. It does. I'm uh, nervous. Of all, a lot of my buddies that I play games with went to Gen Con, and I am not going to Gen Con because of my oh. summit. <laughs> and so, like, I have one guy that's still here, but he he wrote me today, and he was like, "I don't know. We might have to cancel." And I was like, "Oh no, <laughs> I need I need my one game." <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah that's that's hard that's a heartbreaker <laughs> it is so for our final segment question we have a scenario if you are stuck on a deserted island now you get as many players as you need to play the game but as soon as the game starts, they appear. As soon as the game ends, they disappear. So player count doesn't matter. But what three board games would you bring? Dang. Whew. This, this is tough. Uh, well, so one, I think everybody needs to know, I have like hundreds of board games. <laughs> so trying to choose three is tough. I am glad that you told me that like player count and all that doesn't matter. They'll just sort of appear and, um, okay. I, I gotta bring one of my favorites is Isle of Sky. 
that is an awesome board game and kind of good for I would argue almost anyone like so they don't have to be like super into board games and I think they would like Isle of Sky so that's kind of fun so if I if I can magically like you said have different people appear that'd be a great one to sort of see some friends who I love to spend time with but board gaming is not necessarily their biggest thing but this one seems to elicit a lot of like fun uh, you know and has a neat kind of auction mechanic to it uh, my second one <laughs> this is tough uh, <laughs> this is really hard I think I'm going to give uh, my second place slot to a game that I just played for the first time two weeks ago and that makes me nervous because what if I don't like it like years from now? See, see how serious <laughs> I take this question? Uh, yeah, I mean. <laughs> so I, I'm going to go with one called Clans of Caledonia. That was a really good one. Uh, but that one's a little meatier, a little harder for kind of the average gamer, but it is so good and so fun. And, and I don't want to scare anybody away. Like anyone could learn that, but I just wouldn't make it your first game in your collection kind of thing. But that way, like, I could have the kind of heavier game alongside the easier game. Uh, and then my third and sort of final game that I would put in the mix would probably be a party game just because sometimes you just want to laugh. You know, you just want to be around and have a fun time. And that one is Monikers. I don't know if you've ever, if you've ever heard of that one. That's like a really fun party game where... You have like a, everybody like puts, everybody gets like 10 cards, I think, with random things on them. They could be like real things like, you know, UPS truck, or it could be like just a, a random like pairing of words like chocolate monkey or something, you know, like <laughs> whatever. And you pick five of them. We all pick five of them. And then we build like a deck out of all the five that we chose. We mix them up and then there's teams and you you know, it's one team's turn and one person is the person that's looking at the deck. They draw one card and then half in the first round can say anything they want, can do anything they want. They just can't say the actual word that's on the card. And then if they get it, they like put it off to the side and they do another one, do another one, do, another one, do as many as they can within a minute. Then, it, then the, the remaining deck goes to the next team and they do the same thing. It keeps going back and forth until we get through the deck. Second round, you do this, you take the same deck of cards. So now we all know these words if we've been paying attention. We do the same thing, except this time you can only say one word and it can't be one of the words on there. So it's kind of an interesting dynamic because you've seen all the words. So it's like, what's the one word you're going to go with? Sometimes it's pretty direct. Sometimes it's one of the other people's guesses that were like just wild and crazy, but was wrong. But everybody will remember that was like the wrong <laughs> guess for that one. And so like, that's the one word you use. Then you do the same thing, collect them. And then there's a third round where you kind of charades it. You, you do it without words, but this is the third time you've seen these words. So now it's like the acting can be like horrible, but you still kind of get it because you've seen the words. But there's like 30 some words or 40 some words, depending on how many people you're playing with. You don't have them all memorized. And some of them are those weird sentences and you have to say it exactly correct. It is just a hoot. And then like the rule book gives you like these optional like fourth or fifth round if you want to play it. 
like there's a hand puppet round if you want there's a acted out underneath a bed sheet so like you can barely work out the figure it is hilarious <laughs> i uh yeah i i've played monikers with uh some adult learners for vocabulary review and it is really great at tapping into like that meta game association between vocabulary words and like just strange words people say when they're trying to guess it <laughs> yeah it's awesome and anytime i've played it that has definitely been a memorable night, a memorable moment. And whoever the friends are around that table, like that is going to be something we talk about. Definitely. So before we go, again, thank you for sharing your insights. I know our listeners will find it very valuable. And I suggest checking out your podcast, Well Played. But if someone wanted to reach out to you or find you, how could they go about doing that? So I would direct you to my website, which is just mrmatera.com. Uh, there's no period between the Mr. and the Matera, a la web rules. <laughs> but uh, I'd go there, and then you can get links to my podcast, my YouTube channel. Uh, if you want me to come speak in your district or your conference, like have an idea, we'll travel. Maybe that's the sign I'm holding up right now. If it wasn't a podcast, you could see it. <laughs> Awesome. So I'll have that in the show notes as well. And thank you again. And hopefully we'll see you at a conference soon once I am back in the States. <laughs> I would love to meet up sometime. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Thank you for listening in this week. If you like what you heard, be sure to let us know. You can find us on social media as Board Gaming with Education or BGE Games or email us at podcast at boardgamingwitheducation.com. If you want to support our podcast, be sure to check out our support page on our website. As always, teach better, learn more, and most importantly, play more. Thank you for listening and until next time.